0: Hardheads, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good whatever it is, wherever you are in this wonderful world of ours. Welcome to the Headed Sports Podcast, episode number 26, hosted by me, Nick Ryan. I- I must admit, and this is absolutely hysterical, uh, normally I'm not very self can- uh, self-conscious, rather, about being on camera, but I've had a couple of takes this morning to start the show, and it does take me a couple of tries sometimes just to get myself warmed up to get myself into it, and I look over at my camera after the the, the take before this one, and I look at the camera, uh, and I have this one hair sticking up over my headphones, Over my headphones, sticking up straight vertically, and I look over at myself and I'm like, Oh my god, is that Alfalfa from Little Rascals? You know, you are so beautiful. To me <laughs> I just could I just could not stop laughing that I mean sometimes you just wake up and you have a tremendous bedhead, and that was me this morning and I was not looking or double checking my appearance before coming on the show today and pressing the record button and turning on my camera and uh, well now you know that I have a career being a child singing voice actor if this doesn't work out <laughs> I, I just I had to start the show with that this morning I thought it was just too funny to let go uh, but ha- happy Friday, everybody. We got through another week. Very quick week. Time is absolutely an illusion. Uh, it is an illusion. It's, it's been almost a full year. It, it's been over a full year since the coronavirus pandemic was declared a national emergency in America and our lives changed in ways that we could not fathom. And a year later, it's hard to feel like we've been stuck in this rut for a full year now, but it really has been a full year and we're almost out of it. So please remain safe, remain uh, vigilant, uh, remain close to your loved ones, and um, we will all continue to make it through together. But what it also was, was the two-month anniversary of the show, and I'm not going to... (laughs) I'm not going to be like a super clingy girlfriend, and I'm not going to say, oh, "Okay, it's been two months, and now it's been three months, and now it's been four months since we've been together." But uh, I did want to take a second because I was thinking about this the other day. You know, I I, I do have a background in radio. I did uh, college radio for four years. I had my own show for about a year and a half, and I that's where I got most of my journalism experience before moving on into the beat that I currently am on, and. I was thinking about it, and I've talked about it on the show before, about the differences between having a radio show with other people and then having a podcast in which you're mostly speaking by yourself. And um, I was just thinking about that. I'm like, okay, well, it's a little bit different. I don't necessarily have people to go off of. I don't have people to conversate with. It's a lot of manual work. It's a lot more work than people would think that it is. Um, I could lay you out my whole schedule if it mattered, but I'm not going to bore you with the details. But I was thinking, okay, now we're two months in, and how... Can I improve the show? What do I want to improve most on on the show? Whether it's something that I'm not doing now, whether it's something I want to do in the future. And I was thinking about it, and I'm like, okay, well, I already think that I have a really good understanding of how to work the YouTube algorithm, at least a little bit. Uh, when it comes to descriptions, thumbnails, um, I've really gotten into a good groove when it comes to actually posting the podcast on the appropriate platforms and getting the audio file version of the show out. And I was thinking about how I wanted to improve the show, and really it's more comes to just kind of linguistical things more than anything else. I've noticed just watching back all my footage a lot of the time, I've talked with my hands a whole lot, which is fine uh, because some people are not going to be watching this with, with video. But. Other times, you know, I'm really focused on, wow, I'm breathing way too much or man, I have, there's a specific term for what this is and I'm not recalling the specific term, but it's, it's, it's a pause. It's almost like a stutter and everybody will do this almost subconsciously, especially if you work with your voice a lot where you kind of have this mental um, process where you can physically see the cogs turning in the wheels in the person's head turning when they're processing their thoughts and usually that can mostly be silent. Or at least the professionals are really good at keeping that silent. But for me, I let out a low-pitched... And that's my cognitive wheel thinking. That's how I process. That's how I carry myself from one thought to another. So that's something that I want to work on. I want to try to eliminate that as much as possible. Because if you watch some of the guys like uh, Colin Coward, for example, who have been doing this for years and years and years, what they tend to do and what they're very good at is they're very good at transitioning thoughts. They are very good at... Making sure that their thoughts are, are concise and clear, and instead of having an auditory, um, an auditory, I guess, uh, sound in which you can tell that they're transitioning between thoughts, they are just silent, and they take that that moment to not you know either stutter or just go um. Or, you know, whatever that would be, whether that's maybe like a lip smack, maybe some, everybody is different. For me, it's obviously the low auditory. Um, And I know now that I pointed it out, people are going to be like, wow, he does. He does do that a lot. Uh, hopefully I didn't just completely sabotage my own show today, but uh, I do want to work on that. That's something that just comes with reps and experience. And I know that one day I'm just going to have to sit down on the show and say, OK, today we're going to go with some easier topics. I really want myself to think about not making that auditory um and transitioning between segments or transitioning between thoughts and just opt for silence instead, because it's gonna sound make me sound a little bit more dignified. It's gonna make me sound a little bit more organized because apart from contrary belief, I am actually pretty organized when it comes to the show. So, <laughs> oh, I almost just did it. I I, I caught myself. So that's something I want to work on. The other thing I want to work on is I want to try and stop saying what I think. Now, obviously, this is a show in which my opinion matters. That's that. That's essentially what drives the show, is my opinion. And it's, it's hard to do that when you're on a platform in which you're starting with basically no subscribers and you're working your way up. And people are going to be asking you, well, why does your opinion worth anything? Why should I listen to your opinion? And that's something that you're going to struggle with no matter what. So you really just need to articulate yourself correctly and make sure that you have concise and interesting opinions. And along with that is having confidence in your opinion that what you're saying is correct and what you feel is the correct opinion. And I have found that I have the tendency to say, well, I think this or I think that. And really, you can just eliminate the I think part of it and just talk about your opinion. So instead of saying, I think that Russell Wilson is not going to be traded this offseason, you should just come out straight and say it and say, Russell Wilson is not going to be traded this offseason. So it's, it's, it's... the, the small auditory things that I do to transition between processes or, 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 or transition between segments or thoughts in my head and also get out my opinions that I want to fix. So it's those small things that maybe you don't necessarily listen to, but things that I can hear when I watch myself and I listen to myself back during these segments. So that's something that I want to subconsciously work over or work on over time. And I know that will improve, but also when it comes to the way that the show is run and the type of show that I want to have, I've been really trying to find my voice on the show for a while now. And it's not like I'm disorganized or or that I don't know how I really want to run the show in terms of, of, uh, process and terms of organizationally like how many segments i want to have how much i want to talk about how much i'm going to post on youtube whether i save videos for later i'm talking more about my tone as a voice or as opinion because as i said a little bit ago my voice in my opinion, is ultimately what matters the most on the show, especially for somebody who doesn't know me and just sees me as somebody on YouTube and says, oh, this guy's just a casual football fan making videos instead of, okay, wow, this guy's been working in sports media and sports journalism for close to five years now and he actually kind of understands what he's talking about for the most part. So, I, 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 for a while have been trying to make that side of me a little bit more apparent, say, okay, this is a little bit more professional, this is a little bit more organized, and as much as my personality is going to shine through... There's more that I can do to make this seem like I actually know what I'm talking about. And I've been fixating on that. Oh, I actually know what I'm talking about. This is professional. This is somebody who's been working in the business for a little bit. And now is trying to make a go of it on his own. And I feel like I have better shows when I don't do that. And that's kind of conflicting for me because it's like I really want to show people that I am who I say I am. And I'm not just some scrub on the internet who's, who's talking a lot of BS, you know. But I feel like I genuinely have better and more entertaining shows like this one when I'm just explicitly transparent and I have more of my personality in it and it's more laid back. Uh, maybe I m- am more loose with my tongue, although I do try to keep this show PG, PG-13 at the very most. So whether I'm just more laid back and I'm 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 more uh, expressive, I think I have better shows when I just kind of let loose and just let my personality shine through as opposed to having a organized, or, or not I, not organized, but more, I guess, professional sounding show, as opposed to a show that allows my personality to shine through more than anything else. Because if you wanted to go and watch just a professional show, where would you go? You'd go to Fox Sports you go to NBC Sports. You'd go to ESPN for your professional sports takes. Although, <laughs> uh, Stephen A is being worked so hard over there, and that's just basically a bunch of screaming. No disrespect to Stephen A. He's a fantastic journalist, even before he was a media personality. But I digress. So that's just kind of some of the things that I want to work on with myself uh, on the show. I'm not sure if I'm going to make a YouTube video on that, but um, it, on the off chance that I do make a YouTube video on that, let me know what improvements you want to see with the show, what segments you would like to, sh- to see on the show, because this is as much your show as it is my show. I can't do this without feedback from you all, so please let me know. Uh, on the off chance that I post this on YouTube, you know what, I'll probably just go ahead and say I'm going to post it on YouTube, so uh, please... Let me know what you all think, and if you're listening to this on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, find some way to get your opinion to me, please. Uh, Some of you probably know me personally, so you can go ahead and do that. But now on to the actual show today, the actual sports, and we're actually going to start with some breaking news. Uh, Cam Newton signing a one-year deal with the New England Patriots this morning, actually about an hour and a half before we started recording the podcast this morning. So this is literally hot off the wire. Cam Newton re-signing a one-year contract extension with the New England Patriots. And there's not really much to look into this here. This is basically the New England Patriots having an insurance policy and a backup policy. I don't think that as much as Bill Belichick and Cam Newton have kind of, I don't want to say jerked around each other over the past month or so, saying that they're both misunderstood people and that they actually really enjoy working together. And I, I don't doubt that those reports of Cam Newton and Bill Belichick and the Patriots organization as a whole working together very well I just there's no way in hell that the New England Patriots seem Cam Newton as their quarterback moving forward and they are going to more than likely try to pursue some other options in the free agency market maybe try and go after Ryan, Fitzpa- uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick in Miami if he doesn't retire there were reports that he might be retiring there are some other free Asian quarterbacks on the market that the Patriots can go and get for a one-off while they try and maybe put themselves in a better position to get a quarterback next offseason, or they could go get somebody in the draft if necessary. The Patriots are a little bit behind where the top picks are probably going to top off when it comes to quarterback talent. Again, it all depends on how many quarterbacks are taken in the first 10 picks. You can assume that Lawrence is going to be taken. You can assume that Wilson's going to be taken. You can assume that probably Justin Fields is going to be taken in the top 10. But it really just remains to be seen whether teams like Philadelphia are going to want to take a quarterback, even though I think that would be clinically stupid. Whether teams like Detroit want to take a quarterback. Again, they they traded for Goff, so... Um, <laughs> so... Answer t- tends toward no, they're not going to try and get a quarterback. But Cam Newton really is nothing more than an insurance policy. I, I didn't think he looked all that enticing as a Patriot last season. Sure, a lot of his weapons were gone and ineffective. He had a not necessarily the best offensive line to work with. But Cam Newton, as a football player, I just wasn't impressed with. Sure, he can still run the ball. Uh, His, his passing was not that great, and I felt like he lacked confidence issues. I feel like Cam Newton is having—he's still in the middle of this kind of existential crisis where he has this swagger about him, but it's also with like a—, a A teaspoon of dashed confidence as well. It's a weird dynamic. It's like a weird vibe I get from Cam Newton whenever I watch him play or wherever I watch him on the sidelines. It just feels like Cam Newton... Is a, is a weird combination mentally of swagger, overconfidence, and then also just shattered confidence and egotism. And I not don't necessarily like that vibe that I get when I watch Cam Newton play, and I think it affects how he plays. I think he knows, and he takes a little bit too much to heart what the media say about him, like me, saying that he has a little bit of shattered confidence. So I don't think that the Patriots would really necessarily consider Cam Newton to be in their long-term plans. This is probably going to be uh, a backup deal, and Cam Newton might not get another chance to be a starting quarterback in the NFL again unless drastic things happen. So I imagine that the Patriots are going to probably try and get another quarterback in free agency, whether there's a veteran quarterback on the move like Fitzpatrick or maybe like Andy Dalton who is – uh, also a free agent in Dallas Dak got his contract on Monday so whether or not Dallas re-signs Andy Dalton is remaining to be seen so there are a few options out there for the Patriots who granted they can win games without a great quarterback I think if last season told us anything it's that Bill Belichick is still a fantastic coach and he was able to get a lot out of the Patriots team that literally lost probably half of its defense and had no offensive weapons, and they still went seven to nine. So, if that doesn't tell you that Bill Belichick is a fantastic coach, and he can turn trash into tre- treasure, and he can find a way to make a productive football team, uh, then I don't know what will. And sure, Cam Newton necessarily isn't necessarily the cream of the crop when it comes to the quarterback position, but he, Bill Belichick, does know how to get the best out of people, and he's going to be at least be a great backup option or an initial option while the Patriots try and go and find somebody else to fill that void so uh that was some breaking news this morning again not really much to to write into it I'm, I, I don't think that the Patriots are enthralled with Cam Newton as much as you know the communication and the rumors within the organization say that they really enjoy Cam Newton I really think they just view him as an insurance policy until they can move on into the future um A lot of smoke and mirrors there. It's it's, it's very hard to truly understand or truly know what organizations and quarterbacks feel about each other sometimes. So I feel like I have just been talking about the NFC East and those teams in that division constantly on the show. And I wish that I could just diverge from it. I mean, please, please give me another... Team to talk about. Please give me another piece of news. A trade, a signing, a releasing, give me anything, please. I'm begging you. Uh almighty being above me that's just forcing me to talk about the NFC East, but all the news tends to be coming out of the NFC East recently. I feel like I've been talking about Washington constantly. I feel like I've been talking about Dallas constantly. I feel like I've been talking about Philadelphia constantly. And it's just been an interchangeable cycle of me cycling through those three teams. And the Giants have stayed off my radar because they have withheld themselves from doing anything that I would consider be consider to be newsworthy. And when it's newsworthy in the NFC East, it's usually a bad thing. But... I, I talked about Washington recently, I talked about Dallas recently, and I guess it's my turn again to talk about the Eagles, because the Eagles are, are in a pretty interesting situation right now, and it just continues to get worse and worse for the Eagles, and I was sitting at my desk reading up on this, this story here, considering about even talking about it at all, but I just found it too compelling not to talk about, and I just had a gigantic laugh. When I heard the story, the Eagles made some national news this week. It was talked about on all your favorite sports networks. Jeffrey Lurie is committing to Jalen Hurts, reportedly. he his, Jalen Hurts is the guy in Philadelphia. Reports are that Jeffrey Lurie internally has committed to Jalen Hurts. He's told all the coaches, this is our guy. They don't want to give him any competition in the preseason, in training camp. They don't want to bring in another quarterback. Jalen Hurts is the guy, apparently. And I just couldn't help but laugh. Because if I'm Jalen Hurts in this situation, I'm sitting here going, Are you kidding me? Like, are you talking to me? Are you serious? I'm your guy. I'm your guy? Because... From where I'm standing, you just spent the last month and a half doing everything in your power to keep my competition and somebody who more than likely hates my guts for taking his job, you just spent the last month and a half trying to keep him on this team. You not only fired our Super Bowl-winning head coach, where that move, if the if the discontent between Peterson and the organization was really that much, then he was probably going to go anyways, but for the sake of the segment... You fired our Super Bowl winning head coach who wanted more control over the team. You hired a new head coach, which is a controllable puppet, or at least that's how he appears to be, to try and fix this quarterback whose name is Carson Wentz. And then, once you realized that he still wanted out, you traded him to Indianapolis for a third round pick and a bag of chips. And Now that I am your only option, and of course I, speaking as Jalen Hurts metaphorically, now that I am your only option left, now I'm your guy in Philadelphia. So to recap, you fired the coach, you tried so hard to fix my competition in Carson Wentz and the guy that hates my guts, which again, I don't think Jalen Hurts is opposed to competition in any way, but this is how I would imagine that he sees this. You tried so hard to fix Carson Wentz. You hired a coach in which his sole purpose was to fix Carson Wentz. He's not here anymore. And now I'm the guy that you want to commit to moving forward. I'd be like, well, no, duh. Because you really don't have any other options if you're Jeffrey Lurie. He has made bad move after bad move and has worked himself and his franchise into such a bottleneck at the quarterback position that now they basically have no other choice. And I'm not saying that Jalen Hurts is a bad choice at all. In fact, he played pretty well in the games that he was in last season. I think he was, what, 1-3 and and 5 touchdowns, 3 interceptions, something along those lines? playing behind a god-awful offensive line and basically having no weapons on the offense, he absolutely could have done a lot worse. And I think that Jalen Hurts, with a full offseason, with a preseason, and with a training camp, with some actual reps... He can actually be a pretty good quarterback and one of the better quarterbacks in the NFC East at the very least. The problem here isn't Jalen Hurts, and it's not my my disdain with this news and why I found this so compelling isn't because Jalen Hurts is a bad option or even a bad quarterback. It's too early to make a call there on whether or not he's going to be a bad quarterback or not. I think he's going to be a pretty good quarterback for what it's worth. But I just found this so egregious and and so... uh, accurate for how Howie Roseman and Jeffrey Lurie have been running the Eagles over the past two seasons you I mean no duh he's your guy no duh Jalen Hurts is the guy that you're going to commit to and you're going to give the keys to the Lambo for because you have nobody else you've run out and expired every single other options it's literally like the CEO of a business bringing in a manager promising him all the stuff that manager quitting and then bringing in the other guy and saying hey did you want that guy's job because you can have that guy's job and all his benefits it's like, well, if I wasn't going to get that job to begin with, then why are you offering it to me now? Because you have no other options. If I'm Jalen Hurts, I'm kind of disgusted by this, and maybe I'm just taking it too personally. Maybe if I really were in in, in Jalen Hurts' shoes, I'd be happy to have a job. I'd be happy to have the opportunity. But from an outsider's perspective, I'm sitting here looking at, like, no, duh, I'm your guy. No, duh, you're committed to me. You literally have no other choice. And, <laughs> It's laughable to me. It's absolutely laughable to me. And imagine if the Eagles actually take a quarterback in this draft, too. That's just going to complicate things. Even after you've committed to Hurts, you're going to get another quarterback. Even And it's just going to be a mess. Like, I can only see this just getting worse in Philadelphia. And it's all because the owner at the top, Jeffrey Lurie, is such a hands-on, controlling, power-hungry owner that he's nuking his former Super Bowl-winning team right before his eyes and right before everybody's eyes as well. Maybe I'm overreacting to this. I know that I've I've done a couple of rants on the Eagles front office on the show already. And again, I've been talking about the NFC East so much on the show. I would love to talk about something else. I would love to talk about Russell Wilson being traded, even though I don't think he's going to be traded. I don't buy into any of that news. I would love to talk about Deshaun Watson being traded, even though I don't buy into any of that. Because I think Jack Easterby, David Culley, and Deshaun Watson are about to get into a Thanos versus the Avengers type war. In which they just battle each other for an eternity and nothing gets done until one side finally budges and Deshaun Watson gets traded. So, I, I feel bad for Jalen Hurts. I mean, I'm happy that he has this opportunity. I think he's going to be a good quarterback, especially with some practice, because and only he had that game against the Cardinals last year. It was like his second professional start, and he played pretty well for what it's worth. He didn't have any training camp. He didn't have many reps up until that point. So, with a a preseason with a training camp with some reps with this team, give him a chance and he might deliver, but man, I can't, I can't believe that that is happening. I I, I can't believe that, you know, An owner having that much power it's just legitimately making consistently bad move after bad move after bad move after bad move and I guess if there's any quarterback that can overcome this adversity and overcome people not believing him and being the only choice or the last choice that I feel like Jeffrey Lurie considers Hurts to be at this point man I mean it's Jalen Hurts especially with everything that he went through with Alabama going to Oklahoma fighting making himself a better football player He's built for it. Uh, we'll we'll see. I guess if Jalen Hurts can deliver, but no duh. He's your he's your he's the guy you're committed to. You literally ran and exhausted every option before him. Uh, it's. I'm not an Eagles fan, but man, I I, I feel I feel anger. I feel, and an maybe an unjustified amount of anger. Like the stupidity is off the charts here. Uh, I try not to be that cruel or that harsh on the show but the stupidity uh from the ownership position is at new heights here and now i want to move on to the front office trends. we haven't done one in a while i said i was going to record one yesterday i got super busy and now I want to do a segment on the show today. So if you are new here, the front office frenzy is a segment in which I pull a name from this hat right here. You can see the names in the hat right here of uh, 32 NFL teams. Obviously, we've done the segment enough, so it's not 32 teams at this point. But it's a segment in which I pull a team randomly out of the hat and lay. And then in 15 minutes or less, I lay out a rant, uh, I, I did it again. Uh, a, a reasonable and logical game plan for that team to be a contender this next season uh, for that team to make the playoffs this next season and obviously things are changing uh people are getting cut salary cap is changing a little bit we actually have excuse me we actually have an official salary cap number. It's $182.5 million, down 8% from last season. So that's going to be changing a little bit. And some of the older episodes are going to be a little bit outdated. I've actually updated the salary cap for each individual team to account for the changes that have been made recently. So things are going to be a little bit more up to date. But regardless of that, uh, today's team is... Let's see here. I got it try and because the thing about this hat is that it's super flimsy and i don't want to lose any of these tickets here today's team is the didn't didn't we already do the bears i think we already did the bears i i'm like 95 percent sure that we already did the bears so i'm gonna draw again the Jacksonville Jaguars now I know that we haven't done the Jacksonville Jaguars before and I'm over the moon ladies and gentlemen because man If there is a team, I'm going to make sure that this Bears ticket doesn't get back in the hat. But regardless of that, I am over the moon because the Jaguars are going to be a fun team to do. And this, more than any other team in the NFL, apart from the New York Jets at this point, is the team where I can just act like I'm playing a Madden franchise mode and just go off and do whatever I want without thinking about the salary cap much at all. This is probably one of the easier teams. I've been looking forward to doing this team uh, on the show. I'm painfully... Painfully afraid of when I'm going to have to do the Texans on this segment, but uh, it's not going to be today. So let's just be happy about that. But the Jacksonville Jaguars with the front office se- uh, friendly segment, start your timers now. The Jacksonville Jaguars were one in 15 last season. Uh, 73 million dollars of cap space as of March 11th. I re- again, I relooked all of this cap space up for any free NFL team. So these are going to be recent as of yesterday. The Jaguars have 11 picks in the draft, including two in the first round. I think they have two picks in the first three rounds, actually. And again, I I don't know if I included this in the intro. I do have that piece of note in front of me and basically nothing else maybe some small bullet points of a key name to remember or a key free agent to help me along my way in the segment but other than that it's off the top of my head so the jacksonville jaguars the biggest thing to know is that the jacksonville jaguars are going to be taking trevor lawrence number one overall in this draft everybody knows that i think if anybody else has anything else on the mock draft that is asinine Trevor Lawrence is going to Jacksonville. Pretty much everybody knows that at this point. So a lot of what this offseason should be for Jacksonville is to try and make the pieces around Trevor Lawrence fit as best as possible without fully knowing what his entire skill set is going to be and how he's going to adapt to the pros. So you're going to want to try and fill the holes for the Jaguars as much as possible with the new quarterback coming in. And with a lot of cap space, what is it? 73 million. You have a lot of capital to do that. That is the second most cap room in the NFL, I believe. And uh, truthfully, uh, if you want to start, I guess on the offensive side of things, because everybody knows how awful the Jaguars' defense was last year. Thirtieth in uh, thir- I think thirtieth in the past, thirty first in run defense, and thirty first overall. I think the numbers were, if I recall correctly truthfully the the Jaguars offense really wasn't as bad as you think it would be for a team that went 1-15 James Robinson was a 1,000 yard rusher as a rookie and they had a decent but inconsistent offensive line as well and you have some pretty good assets at wide receiver you have DJ Chalk Jr. or Chark Jr. um, and Shonalt Jr. I think I'm pronouncing his name correctly Uh, Chark can absolutely fly he's a great deep threat. I think that's actually going to be a really good connection uh, for Trevor Lawrence is chart junior. I think uh chart runs like a 4.34 for time. So he is blindingly fast, a great uh, wide receiver asset for the Jacksonville Jaguars. So you have a lot of pretty good young offensive pieces with a new quarterback coming in. What would you be able to get offensively, especially in free agency that could really help your football team? And you have $73 million in cap space, what do you do? I think first and foremost, Lawrence needs a good offensive tight end. And the tight end position wasn't utilized a whole lot when he was playing at Clemson. A lot of it was rollouts to wide receivers and uh, running backs out of the backfield. But I think one of the things that would really help Trevor Lawrence in his first year is a great offensively-minded tight end. And I don't think that Kyle Pitts is going to be available by the time the Jaguars have their next pick in the first round. So that leads us to go to free agency to look for this tight end. And there are a couple of options. Uh, Kyle Rudolph got released by Minnesota last week. That is an option and Hunter Henry is a free agent coming out of Los Angeles that you could sign as well. I think out of the two of them, I would prefer Hunter Henry at this point. He's a little bit younger. He might be a little bit more expensive, but he's a little bit more of what you're looking for in Jacksonville, and Jacksonville hasn't had... A really good offensive tight end since the early 2000s, uh, I believe. It's been a long time since they've had a really good tight end. I think that would benefit Trevor Lawrence massively if he had a tight end that could really be an offensive threat, especially in the in, in the passing game. Uh, it the blocking. That doesn't necessarily need to be as important yet. I mean, if Cam Robinson can get a thousand-yard rushing season behind that offensive line being as inconsistent as it was at times, especially at right tackle. Um, did I call? I think I. I think I called um, James Robinson. Cam Robinson. Cam Robinson's the tackle. James Robinson is the running back. Apologies again. This is all off the top of my head. Uh, but Hunter Henry, that is somebody that I would try and go after immediately. Jaguars need a really nice tight end, and and then basically everything that you need from that point on is defense, because the Jaguars defense was not only injured for most of the year last year, across the entire way. Uh, Josh Allen, Miles Jack, probably your two best defensive players, were both injured last season. They're going to be coming back. Uh, Sidney Jones is going to be coming back, I believe, at the cornerback position, but you do need some defensive help. You need a lot of defensive help, a lot of depth. And, um, luckily there is a lot of defensive end, a defensive line free agents in this, in, uh, this free agency class. And that's where the Jaguars need the most help. Um, the name that immediately comes to mind is Jadavian Clowning, um, Clowny, Clowny. Jadavian Clowney, he is somebody that you've seen a lot of him being in your division. You should have a good understanding about what he brings to the table. He is never going to be the pass rusher that you would ha- you would have expected him to be, him being the number one overall pick, however many years ago it was, but he's deceptively good on the on the run-stopping game, which is exactly. Uh, what the Jaguars need at this point. They need a lot of people that can stop the run. Jadavian Clowning has always been good at that, despite some up-and-down sack totals over the course of his career. Uh, but he... If if any la- if the last season or the last off season rather is any indication about working with Jadavian Clowning, there is a great disparity in what the league values him at as opposed to what he values himself at. So he might be a little bit expensive if that's the case. Uh, Trey Hendrickson is coming off a really good year in New Orleans, and you might be able to capitalize off of that. There is no way that New Orleans is going to be able to keep him. Or at least I wouldn't think with the cap hell that new orleans is in currently so you might be able to get him and nab him from new orleans trey Hendrickson uh may it may be a buyer's beware a buyers for more steal at some point but i think he's good enough to be able to take the flyer on maybe to get a one-year like 12 million dollar deal see if, Hen- if hendrickson, hendrickson excuse me can produce with that defensive line and After that, you can probably try and target some defensive back free agents, primarily safety. Uh, Keanu Neal from Atlanta is going to be a free agent. I don't think that they've tagged him or anything. I think they might want to try and keep him. I think, actually, I made the point of saying that they should keep him when I talked about the Atlanta Falcons in their front office frenzy segment. Um, But if Keanu Neal is a free agent, I think that would be a great acquisition for Jaguars. That's who I would target. And again, there's 73 million dollars in cap space. So if you hire Clau, if you if you sign Clowney, you sign Henry, you sign Keanu, uh, that is uh, probably maybe anywhere between 20 to 30 million dollars. Just, zoosh, but you still have so much left over that you can get some more death pieces. Because if there's anything that was proven last season, it's that injuries riddled the Jaguars and they had nobody. They had absolutely nobody to. Uh, come in and be the next man up. You need depth. And a lot of that is going to be solved in the draft. Again, 11 draft picks. But uh, Keanu Neal, Jadavian Clowney, Hunter Henry, some of the big free agents that I would imagine that they want to sign. And it could be an attractive destination. I mean, especially... uh, going to a team that is having a less powerful division, really basically the only team that you need to worry about in that division is Indianapolis. I think the Titans are not going to be so good next year. Uh, jury will still be out on that one, but I think the Titans need to be a little bit less one-dimensional offense before they prove to be uh, anything other than a first round out in the playoffs. But regardless of that, um, after those big name signings, the salary cap is going to be a little bit tighter. You should have anywhere between 40 to $30 million left after you sign uh, your free agents that you want to keep some of your practice. To squad players, some of your bench players, and then essentially, basically, everything else after that you can go to the draft four Now, I do believe that the Jaguars have two picks in pretty much every single round uh, for the first three or four rounds. Um, so, on this segment, we only do the first three rounds, but I'm gonna obviously give some suggestions as to what they should do in the later rounds as well. Um, First overall pick, they're taking Trevor Lawrence. I don't need to tell you that. I think everybody knows that. So it becomes the question of what do the Jaguars do with the 26th overall pick that they have in the first round as well. And I think that they should draft Christian Barmore, defensive tackle, out of Alabama. I know I'm really following pretty close to most of the draft mocks there, but I absolutely agree that this is the best pick at this position for uh, Jacksonville if he's available. I mean, Barmore is a big big man. He's athletic for his size. He's got a lot of uh, push and uh, athleticism and speed at his size, and he can plug a lot of gaps. He's probably the best defensive tackle in the draft, and that is the place that the Jaguars really were missing the most. Uh, Clay Campbell was missed horribly last season. Uh, after they traded him away so Christian Barmore is going to be that young defensive glue or young uh, big glue on the defensive line for Jacksonville Um, and then we go to the second round where I think you probably want to draft offensive line Uh, this is going to be mostly be a defensive draft apart from Lawrence but uh, I think with your your Second, with your first selection in the second round, you should take an offensive tackle. Maybe Rayshon Slater out of Northwestern. He's a little bit undersized. He probably could... Well, actually, uh, a lot of mocks that I've read over the past couple of weeks have said that Slater might be transitioning to either center or guard and I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing this case in Jacksonville if he's undersigned to play the tackle position so be it but look I have no confidence in Cam Robinson I know that they just franchise tag uh, Cam Robinson but he hasn't really been it since he's been in the league so they're probably going to give him one chance before they move on look if Slater's speed. And his ability to play multiple positions on that line uh, is exactly what these experts and the analysts think that, you know, is going to be a real talent of Slater's. I would absolutely want uh, an offensive lineman that can play multiple positions on a line that was either injured or going through multiple starters last season. So I think Rayshon Slater would be a great draft selection with your first pick in the second round for uh, Jacksonville. Then you need to go defensive end again. Maybe Rashad Weaver or Patrick Jones out of Pittsburgh. I know that I've levied those two guys' this name before. I really like their game. I watched them in person. I watched their workouts in person uh, when they came and played against Florida State last season. And I was extremely impressed. Um, so, really, you really need to bolster the defensive line. I think you're going to get a good player at that spot. I think they have the 13th pick in the second round. So, it's going to be a... Potential situation in which somebody could drop from the first round and you can get them early in the second round. Uh, I like Weaver. I like Patrick Jones. I think Weaver is slightly better than Patrick Jones. So uh, we'll see how that develops over time. But I would absolutely take, excuse me, a defensive end in that situation. And then third round, you have three pick, you have two picks as well. Uh, you need a cornerback. Look, uh, CJ Henderson looked like a rookie last season. He looked unreliable at times. Trey Herndon looked like he was burnt a lot as well in coverage. They didn't have a lot of depth. Odds are you're probably not going to re-sign DJ Hayden who was going away in free agency so you need to get a cornerback at some point in the draft to get some depth to help out CJ Henderson. I like Eric Stokes from Georgia. Georgia has like a trio of really good uh, cornerbacks entering this draft. So you can go with any of them if they're available, but I think Stokes will probably be the one that's available in the third round. Uh, I think he's got some good upside and I think that he can be a really nice addition for the Jaguars. And then uh, with, I don't know exactly what number pick it is in the third round, but I think at that point you can try and get a wide receiver uh, to help out a uh, Chark and Schoenelt Jr., uh, I like Tamorian Terry out of Florida State. Obviously, I'm a little bit biased on that one. I've seen a lot of Tamorian Terry playing at Florida State. He's got great size. He's 6'3", 203 pounds, and he still can run about a three, uh, uh, run about a 4'4". So he's extremely fast with that size as well. Uh, he could be another deep threat for Trevor Lawrence, and um, I think that could be a very beneficial relationship for Trevor Lawrence. And I think I'm running a little bit low on time, so I'm going to end it there. I think that was in 15 minutes or less. So that is how the Jaguars can beat contenders in the upcoming season. This has been the Front Office Frenzy segment. Tune in next time to see if we do your team next. Whew. That's actually not the end of the show today. Normally, I end the show on the Front Office Frenzy segment because it just takes so much out of me. It's an, it's an energy burner, for real. It's a lot of talking. It's a lot of energy. It makes me super, admittedly, it makes me super sweaty. Uh, I always feel like I need to turn a fan on after that segment is completed. I can't do that, though. Now the show is not over. We've got more to talk about. Uh, I, I wanted to talk about March Madness really quickly because the tournament is coming up. And I I have been thinking a lot about what to make of this college basketball season. Duke just got eliminated from potentially being in the NCAA tournament. Uh, Duke had one of the worst years in 25 years since, basically basically since Coach Krzyzewski has been a coach at Duke, they had one of their worst seasons. Um, curiously enough, they got a lot better when Jalen Johnson opted out of the rest of the season, so I think that probably heavily decreases Jalen Johnson's draft stock. And I think that says more about the rest of the Duke basketball team as opposed to the the talent of Jalen Johnson in that situation. But Duke is out of the tournament. Kentucky is having a horrible season. North Carolina has had an inconsistent season. And now it was announced this morning that Virginia, which was probably going to be one of the top seeds in the NCAA tournament, either a two seed or a three seed, they are now out of the NCAA tournament due to a COVID test. Uh, and, And to be clear, Duke had to basically win the ACC tournament to get into the NCAA tournament anyways, but their season was ended due to COVID as well. What to make of this NCAA basketball tournament and what to make of the season as a whole? All of these power players are being pulled from the tournament, or and 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 sure, it's just two teams so far. But what if there is more? Should we put an asterisk on this season? And what is happening to all these powerful foo- uh, football football teams? What is happening to all these powerful basketball teams? All these teams that are perennially just so good and so um. Just constantly favorites, uh, whether it's Michigan State, whether it's Kentucky, whether it's Duke, whether it's North Carolina, those names are always in the conversation for being the best team in the country. Why are those teams struggling so much? And should we put an asterisk on this NCAA tournament considering that, you know, so many teams are going to be having COVID issues? Is is this a title that eventually the winner of it or is it one that they're going to really want to push over their heads? Those those are all like hypothetical questions that I've been asking as I've been trying to grapple with what to make of this college basketball season, and really my my solution and my thought, uh, especially when it comes to the teams that are st- that are supposed to be perennially just god tier teams, that are now struggling so heavily, and the and the question is always why. And I was doing an interview with a linebacker at the at the on the beat of the university that I cover and he was recovering from a torn ACL injury and in, in during the conversation i'm not going to say who it is during that conversation we were talking a lot about rehabbing in a covid world in which Coronavirus is is changing how often people can stay with each other. It's changing how people can work out with each other. It, it changes a lot, especially in the in the world of a student athlete. So him and I were having this conversation, and I asked him, you know, how he thought it would affect, you know, the, the training and everything and the morale of the team. And he he gave me a really interesting answer. And he said to me, uh, and this is paraphrasing. He said to me, I see this as an opportunity to prove how hard. I can work and see the people around me who choose to work and who and, cho- and who choose to, to not work. And, and by work, we mean work on their game, work out um, who is invested in working on themselves essentially was his response. You're really going to he, he said you're really going to see who is there to work hard and to win and who is just there for themselves. And that answer is something that I was thinking a lot about when I was quantifying what to make of this basketball season. Why are all of these teams like Kentucky, Michigan State, Duke, North Carolina, why are all of these teams struggling so much? And maybe this is a little bit of a a logical leap, but I've talked about it on the show before. College basketball, in many ways, is just a pit stop to the NBA, especially if you're playing for one of these big schools. And it's very much a situation in which you might have great camaraderie with your teammates, you might have a good relationship with your teammates, but the chance is very real, and maybe some of you can see where I'm going with this, the chance is very real that the players are just specifically using those teams and those schools as a pit stop before they're going to the NBA because they can't just go straight to the NBA from high school, and therefore, the conclusion of, uh, based on, you know, what the linebacker told me, it's like, we'll see who is there to work and improve their game, and who's just there for themselves, I wonder what the percentage of players at these high-caliber schools are only there for themselves, and are not there to win, and therefore, that is why these teams are doing so poorly, because their mind is not on winning now, their mind is not... Winning with this school. Their mind is on the NBA. And I take a look at Duke. And it kind of... Maybe it's a little bit of confirmation bias. But it kind of proves my point. Jalen Johnson is supposed to be a lottery pick in this NBA draft. This upcoming NBA draft. He was playing okay. But Duke as a basketball team was playing horribly. They looked uninspired. They looked lost offensively. They looked nothing like the Duke basketball, Duke basketball that we're accustomed to as, as basketball fans, as soon as the NBA prospect, Jalen Johnson, opted out and left his team, Duke instantly got better. And I would argue that if Jalen Johnson didn't play at all this season, Duke might be in the NCAA tournament. So to see that and to kind of remember what this linebacker told me in that interview that I had with him, I can make the logical conclusion that for these schools specifically, as opposed to a school like Gonzaga, which Gonzaga is obviously a a gigantic part of the Big East, and it's a a big-name school for sure, but it's never quite had the prowess that uh, some of these ACC and SEC schools have had, especially recently. Teams like Gonzaga, Villanova, those kids want to play and they want to play to win. So it doesn't—it it makes sense why a team like Gonzaga is absolutely dominating in the NCAA right now. And sure, they've had an easier schedule, but that be what it may. With with the COVID uh, health and safety protocol, with with all the extra things going around, with how tight practices, with how you're not always going to have people there. The best teams in the NCAA are the teams that are working the hardest and have the most chemistry together and are all about winning together and winning now for that school. As opposed to the situation at Duke where Jalen Johnson was very clearly all about his future in the NBA. And as soon as he opted out, the Duke Blue Devils got much, much better. And I take a look around the rest of the NCAA and I take a look at teams like Kentucky. I take a look at teams like Michigan State, teams like North Carolina. Who should be perennial one seeds in the NCAA tournament, at the very least, one or two seeds, struggling like this. And I just take a look and I say, you know what the problem is? They just don't care. Now, I'm not saying that they don't care. Obviously, the coaches and the players care, but the difference makers that are in place are more concerned with their future in the NBA than they are concerned with the success of the team during that moment. So they're not going to work as hard. They're not going to practice as hard for the team. They're going to do all of that for themselves. Because again, they can't go to the NBA straight from high school. They have to go to college and college is nothing but a glorified pit stop. I hope that all all of that makes sense. I kind of had to work out how I wanted to word it that. But for fans of college basketball, what do you think about that? Uh, Do you think I'm right? Do you think I'm disastrously wrong? I'm very interested to hear and listen and read some of your reactions to that. Um, what, this has been a wild college basketball season and, you know, with, with Virginia and Duke being out of the tournament. Now, do we put an asterisk on whoever wins the entire thing? Do what context do we see the season? And that's my take on why some of these really good teams are having statistically one of their worst seasons in the last 25 to 30 years. And to end the show today, I want to talk a little bit about Myers Leonard, who's been He's been the latest player in the sports world to try to, to be potentially canceled uh, for comments. He, 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 he made an uh-oh, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Myers Leonard has been suspended by the Miami Heat. He's been fined $50,000 by the NBA for use of an anti-Semitic slur during a twitch live stream. And I have a couple of thoughts about this. I um, Obviously I don't agree with what Myers Leonard said to be truthfully honest with you, I had to look up what the word was because I personally have never heard that word before. I grew up in a Christian household, went to a private Christian school. I, I, I maybe it's just ignorance of Judaism that I don't know what that word is and I don't know what that word means. But I had no idea what that word meant, and I had to have somebody explain it to me and why it was so offensive. I'm not debating that what what Myers Leonard said was right or wrong. It was very clearly wrong. It was ignorant of, of or, or it was very ignorant of how that might offend that specific uh, ethnic group. I mean, it, hell, if I didn't know what that meant, I would imagine that he didn't know what that meant as well. But I think people need to park the brakes on how harshly Myers Leonard should be punished for this. And I really enjoy Julian Edelman. And how he has treated some of these things in the past. Because he did the exact same thing when Deshaun Jackson made those very insensitive comments about the Holocaust a couple of years ago. Julian Edelman reached out to Myers Leonard and said, "Uh, I understand that you didn't do this out of hate, um, but ignorance is sometimes more harmful than hate. Let's get together. I'll teach you about my culture. I absolutely love that from Julian Edelman. And I think that's the approach that most people should be taking with this. Myers Leonard clearly did not say this without any hate intended. And I can tell you from, you know, being an avid, mostly an avid gamer. Uh, I, I have my controller here on the side of my desk. Uh, I I used to do Twitch streams in my time. I used to play a, a a shooter game very regularly in my life. And I was pretty good at it. I played it competitively um, for, for fun, obviously. The, the scene is not that big. And um, I can tell you from an experience that... When you are in the zone playing a video game, sometimes you completely forget that you're on camera or that you are being watched by somebody. And it is very easy to say things that you do not intend to say and say things that you do not mean to say. I can tell you that when I have been competing in the in, in the heat of competition, when I have been competing against sometimes my own teammates, I will... Dra- I would have dragged their name through the mud. I would have said things. I would have... And, and it's hard to say without actually saying it. But I would have said, you know, all these nasty things and these insults to this person. And in the heat of the moment, I would have true. I, I would have felt like, oh, I'm, I'm saying this to you. I'm trying to insult you. But literally after the game was over, it's like nothing had ever happened. And some of these guys are some of my pretty good friends that I still talk to to this day. And especially on a Twitch stream... In which, if you know anything about Twitch, you know that comments like Myers Leonard's comments, not although not specifically racist comments, but trash talking and, and insults are something that happens pretty regularly on the platform. Now this isn't to excuse Meyer Leonard's actions. Again, what he said was wrong. And if you put it in the context of him competing in an NBA basketball game, there's obviously trash talking that's said during the game. It's in the heat of the moment. You don't feel that way. You, you don't feel specific hatred towards that person. Uh, but if it's if it's racist and it's ignorant and it's it's um ethnically ethically not okay to say those terms, it would be wrong in that context too. But everybody is just so angry over this, without understanding how much of an accident and how much of, uh, I guess, how unintentional this was to be offensive. I think everybody, or everybody is being too offensive about this or too offended about this. He's very clearly sorry, and he's playing. He's paying what you know many people would call a stupid tax for his actions, and his actions should be punished. You know, he he said something that is not very good. He said something that's not kosher, (laughs) but that's, he said something that if, that if anybody said it, they would be punished, especially when you hold, especially when you're that important of celebrity and you hold yourself to a higher level of, of understanding and a higher level of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? You hold, your, you hold yourself to a higher standard than most people. And people hold you to that standard. I'm just saying people need to relax on hating the man so much for what was very clearly a mistake and just dogpiling on him when the reality is, is that if this were not Myers Leonard and somebody else had said this on the internet um, or somebody else was... And not specifically the anti-Semitic comments, but if anybody else were trash-talking on Twitch playing Call of Duty... Everybody that was familiar with that context is going to say, I saw nothing out of the ordinary here. People trash talk on that game all the time. I can tell you from my experience playing other video games that I trash talk, sometimes some of my better friends, I trash talk them, you know? So, you know, everybody needs to to park the brakes when it comes to insulting Myers Leonard. He made a mistake. He's paying for it, but the cancel culture needs to chill out on this one it was very evidently a mistake he shows clear remorse and again not making any excuses for myers not saying that what he said was right in any stretch of their imagination because it was absolutely wrong he shouldn't have said it i i believe that he didn't know what it means because personally i've never heard the word before now it doesn't mean that uh it, it just because i haven't heard it doesn't mean that it doesn't have any relevance but regardless of that um people need to park the brakes on myers leonard He's paying his stupid tax. He made a mistake, and if 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 he weren't Myers Leonard, and this were said by another streamer playing the same game, it and you you have the context of what is acceptable and what is said constantly in that specific situation. I think people would be able to back off and say, okay. It was a mistake. It was said in the moment. No, it was just ignorant. It wasn't meant with hatred and people would move on. So that's the show today, ladies and gentlemen, a longer show. Thank you so much for listening. I am going to go get myself something to eat. Going to get myself something to drink. I am very parched. Done a lot of talking today. Thank you so much for listening and uh, for watching the videos on YouTube. Obviously, those will be posted after the, f- uh, after the show goes live. Uh, again, thank you so much for all the support. As always, this has been the Hard-Headed Sports podcast. Hosted by me, Nick Ryan, and on behalf of myself, stay hard-headed, but have a nice day.